We're live. What ho, what ho? You live, live through the weekend, man? What's that? Did you live through the weekend? I, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta roll up for this. Um, well, first of all, some bad news today, just before we came on. Um, the Euler boiler hack. Yeah. How much was it? 153 million. It's pretty ugly. Pretty ugly. Yeah. Good guys too. Good guys and gals. I, I feel sorry for them. That's for darn sure. Me, me too, man. It's horrible. Um, I don't even know what the nature of the exploit was. Have you heard anything? I mean, I'm just now like looking at shit. No, somebody it's told Euler, me about right? it. It's not Euler. It's not. It's not Euler. Yeah, Euler. Yeah, I always kind of sometimes say Euler, but because I keep thinking Bueller, Bueller, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> but no, it's Euler. Euler. <laughs> anyway, brutal. I feel bad for them, especially feel bad for. I'm trying to get logged into everything. My browser logged me out of everything when I closed it last night. Um, I feel bad for that team and those folks. It sucks big time um and then this morning um some asshole hacker um announced that there was a vulnerability in um cosmos that can allow a dos attack and mm. um they he was pissed because they didn't pay him a bug bounty for another bug he found so he decided to pub publicly put it out um i have spoken with some folks on canto team and they are in the process of patching it on canto but i it, it's just so hard for me to understand um the emotional dysfunction of some people does that make sense yeah i mean look you're gonna i mean I think in finance or in software or anything like that, you're going to, I mean, you're going to find a lot of emotional um, issues. How do we put it that way? Um, Cause the motivations are, they're just, whether you're the finance guy, going to try not to go make a billion dollars because you were bullied in elementary school or because your dad beat your mom or something like that. You know, it's like you have something to prove. Of course I'm blanket speaking. This doesn't mean everybody. Or a lot of software developers, you know, they've been on screen since they were like eight. And, you know, we know there's a lot of introverts um, in the space. So, you know, that kind of social isolation tends to um, result in a lot of unfiltered emotional activity. But so I get it. I, I get where it comes from. But I don't get why you got to pull the pin on the grenade and throw it in the room because somebody doesn't give you attention. That yeah. and I think that's where you're going with this with this uh, exactly. you know, hacker dude. And to me, I just uh, it it just doesn't make sense, you know. To me, yeah. there's definitely a, a disconnect there somewhere. Um, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is an answer. No, um, I don't. But either. you know, I, I don't. I mean, look, the, the only answer is you know we start teaching people how to handle their mental flow and their analytical thinking at a young age and we don't do that. So, you know, we end up with people who are emotionally focused and ego focused rather than, um, yeah, Chuck has a good comment on that. You know, 
Chuck's comment kind of ties into that too. It is ego focused, as you just said. Um, he said it's not emotion want. as much as it's some script kitty trying to make a name for themselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's ego. You know, everybody wants to be the hero, I guess. And yeah. And then when nobody, when the, I guess, protocol doesn't want to make you the hero for some reason, um, then they go, you know, laterally do something. And, you know, that's, that's again, impulsiveness. I mean, look, we're, you know, we're, we've got a few uh, decades under our belt. So the older you get, the more you learn how to control that stuff. Um, yep. But, you know, the smartest minds in the space are young. So, yep. you know, they don't have those years of experience uh, to understand what you can get so much more <laughs> for it. If you just can check that impulsiveness for a little bit of time. Um, sort of reminds me of this Tom Stoyer story I read as a kid and he was at you know, some house, I guess, well, I mean, it was, I don't know. I think it was Tom Sawyer, but anyhow, so one of the, I guess, staff came out, he was knocking on the door and they threw a bucket of water on him and he was, you know, all enraged and getting ready to go off. But he just, you know, held his breath and counted to 10. And in that 10 second, uh, interval, you know, the owner came out and apologized and, was, you know, basically, you know, super nice. And, you know, his, his, I don't remember what his ask was, but, you know, just, you know, just caved to his ask at that moment or offered his ask. So, you know, people, when they lose emotion or they make mistakes, tend to, um, people make mistakes, they tend to want to make up for them. Yeah. But if you go off on them instantly, then you just escalate it into some kind of like, you know, uh, for lack of a, well, maybe a technical term, pissing contest. And you never, nobody wins. So, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. just learned over time. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm no expert at it either. I, I occasionally snap, but you know, you just try to control it. Yep. Absolutely. I totally agree. So, uh, uh, Sean said, if code is long, your code is bad. You have to pay the price. I fought the law and the law won. Yeah, absolutely. Niblet said whiplash weekend. Shizzy said amazing whip weekend. Um, so Joe, you truly did stay off Twitter this weekend? Well, I ducked in a couple times, and I just saw these tirades going, and I was like, uh, yeah. And I was out talking to the real world all weekend, you know? So it was well, like for, for, for a project. A it, it, but what was weird was in the real world, there was no sense of, you know, None. impending doom. Now, of None. course, we're crypto bubbles, so... But I kept looking at it, and whether it was, you know, the, like you pointed out a lot, the VCs ranting, and, you know, God knows how short they were on these stocks. I would love to see somebody dig into that. Um, but, you know, my concern was, and somebody pointed this out to me, you know, it was the circle reserves. And so then I looked at, somebody got me a copy of the Deloitte audit report for circle, and I looked at it, and it was like, um you know, proof of reserves were there, according to Deloitte. So then I realized, okay, so $8 billion in cash is scattered across six banks. And then it became, how much is that each of these banks? And, and then, you know, I was talking to some of my buddies at Treasury, and they were like, you know, this is enough. I mean, it's going to fail, but the U.S. government always pays the full amount of deposits. They're, you know, everybody talking about the 250 cap. There is no cap, really. Um, they pay it. So right. then I was like, okay, so circle's cool. Now, I didn't arb in. I know a lot of people did, and I'm like, you know, bravo on that. But look where Circle is right now. It's like 99, this, 50 I got, something. I got this close. Got this close. 
and I just couldn't pull the trigger. I was like, you know what? I've seen too many fucking total meltdowns to to in my life to to make. Yeah. That well, and also it's sort of, you know, my thing is I had just moved. I had taken some profits last week, and it was in circle. So then I was like trying to buy the dip, but I'm like, shit, I don't want to do it with circle because I'm that's going to come back after the weekend. And so then, you know, you look at the board today and everything's up 20%. <laughs> so, yeah, like, exactly. so whoever bought the except, gift, man, congratulations. Hmm? Except for the bank stocks. Uh, bank stocks well, yeah, are yeah. down. The banking index is down 10%. Um, and small Midwest, uh, small regional banks are down anywhere from uh, 20 to 80%. Um, but I think those are actually going to end up being some good buys if you're a stock yeah. trader. Because those bad boys are going to bounce because the fucking government just said we'll bail everybody out and they can't do it. For yeah. One or not another. Imagine they do it for the Silicon Valley bank or, and then they don't do it for fucking Midwest, you know, farmers bank. Yeah. They, they, well, no, they do it for everyone. Yeah. I think the play is on the equity side is just go buy one of those index funds that covers the bank sector. I know Fidelity's got a bunch of them yeah. and just go in and pick one of those now and just forget about it. But I think the thing is that two other outcomes. Yeah, just forget about it. But I think there's two other things going on. One, I saw that Goldman Sachs changed its odds of a 50 bips hike um, from 50% or 60% to 10%. So I think that, you know, I'm not, I mean, at most 25 bips, if anything, in this March, what is it, 22nd meeting date, I think. Um, so I think that we're going to get a pause on interest rate hikes until these banks get their shit together and reallocate their portfolios. I mean, how I see, much look, are these guys screaming about it? Yeah. yeah before go I go into my VC rant, let's talk about this a bit because I mean, it really frankly looks like SVP did just a fucking horrendous job. Well, it looked like that to me that like they did a fucking horrendous job of investing their funds. Right. But at the same time, um, there's a lot coming out uh, about how the interest rate heights have imp impacted where they've had their money, some of them being locked up in longer term things, that mm -hmm. the Fed is now basically, after all of this, is going to be paying uh, banks to not pay us interest and pay them, you know, four and a half to five percent. I, I don't understand all the ramifications of it, but a lot of people are claiming that, you know, this all of this kind of um, weakness uh, with bank balances is um, a result of the interest rate heights and that it has flipped things upside down that were once paying, um, paying the banks well and making them profitable and stable. Um, I don't think there's any excuse for the banks not figuring out that, you know, Hey, we had a problem. I listened to Arthur Hayes on a show yesterday he was talking about silvergate because svp hadn't mm -hmm. broken yet when he was in the interview but he was talking about silvergate and he went through an entire strategy of what the silvergate ceo did wrong with managing their money anyway i'm not i'm not sophisticated enough to know what they should or shouldn't have done uh, to maintain their balances but there is there's a lot of conversations happening that that you know that the interest rate heights are causing this and that um um, that it may actually be part of what they want, right? That that they expect yeah. some of this fallout to happen. And now they got caught well, with it and they had to bail it out. Well, I think, you know, remember they're looking at the primary impact dynamic was um, inflation, 
I mean, you know, remember last year gas was at what five bucks a gallon or four fifty or five or something. I mean, I look around now and I see it at the pump at like four twenty nine a lot of places, and like nobody's even talking about it. So I think that they were really trying to get a handle on inflation, and so you do have to. And they were constantly telling everyone it was going up, and the fact that the banks didn't adjust to me. I mean, the big banks did, but the fact that yep. these little ones didn't, you know, and, and that that's 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 a big question mark in my mind. Why? Now I know that they bought a lot of long duration bonds, and you know, in the pandemic or in 2020 that looked great because, you know, it was zero interest rates, basically, if not like real negative. And, but, you know, you got to cycle out of those. And, you know, when all of a sudden, you know, the coupon rate is lower than the Fed rate, you know, then what happens? The, you know, the, the value of the bond, if I'm not mistaken, the value of the bond goes down. Um, right. You know, there's two things going on, yield and bond price. And you don't want to book the loss because, you know, of course, you know, you get bonuses and stuff. Um, and if you're not, if you're taking the smart move and, and booking losses or writing those to market, you know, you're not going to get your bonuses. So yeah, um, I think that has to be thought through. Uh, at the same time, um, you know, I mean, until inflation settles down, um, you know, I think they're trying to over communicate that, that, you know, rates are going up. So, you know, the big banks don't really have this issue because, you know, they're hedging the heck out of everything. So, you know, just like one of our regular guests with this big stack of BTC, who's always hedging it by shorting, but doesn't sell it. The big banks do this. I'm just surprised yeah. that the little ones don't. Um, but then, you know, we also, to your point, we saw all the guys at Silicon Valley Bank, you know, selling like 25% of their stock holdings. You know, the senior executives, one guy sold, the CFO sold a third of all of his shares, you know, a yeah. week before this happens. I mean, yeah. I would be all over those people right now. The, you um, got to believe they're going to be all over those guys. you got to believe. I think so. I mean, I, I think, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but what happens at the end of the day? Innocent, but they're going to have to find proof. Nah. I guess they have to have, in those kind of circumstances, can they go after him just for selling at that timing? Or do they have to find proof of him? like saying something somewhere of, Hey, I got to get out. Cause I have advanced info. No, I, I think usually um, you have in a public company, if I remember correctly, you usually have a plan where you say, I'm going to sell X amount. And then it goes out like a TWAP sort of situation where uh -huh. it's the same amount every week every, until that yeah, stack yeah. is sold. Okay. Yeah. That's what you can't just come in and did. Yeah, you can't just come in and dump twenty five percent of your stock one day. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, maybe I guess you can because they did it, but um, well, I don't not, think it's the. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how they got that through compliance. I guess would be my my yeah. my point. Um, but look, at the end of the day, you know, we knew that the Fed was always going to backstop the deposits. They're letting the stock just eviscerate. All the investors are getting gashed. Uh, this management's getting killed, basically. And I'm all for that. You know, yeah, I'm not for the depositors getting uh, their funds seized. And I'm certainly not for the little people getting their money seized. Let the bank millionaires turn into poor people and let the investors lose all their money. I mean, I just don't care uh, about them. Um, I don't see it really. I mean, I know there's some middle little banks that are, you know, in, in a little bit of trouble right now, but 
I don't see it being like a GCF kind of thing or a 2008 situation. And, you know, look, Silicon Valley Bank UK has already been sold to some group. I think I know HSBC bought them. I think there's somebody getting ready to buy Signature. And I think the two, uh, two big suitors for Silicon Valley Bank US are, I heard, Truist and Cap One. So, you know, they'll get all the depositors, all the customers, you know, all the branches, all of that. I mean, I think what I think it's kind of a net positive because we have four giant, too big to fail banks. Um, I, I don't know. The, I mean, we sort of know the names, but I don't want to misspeak. And, you know, this Silicon Valley Bank was number 16 or something like that. So this will create some consolidation that maybe it creates another two or three of these two big to fail banks, which more options for, for customers. That is probably a good thing to have more of those than just well, four. Um, that's a plus. But, you know, the downside is the downside is um, we effectively in the last week lost the three largest crypto friendly banks. Mm -hmm. And, well, and unless you're big, like Coinbase, it's going to be really fucking hard for somebody in crypto in the U S business wise to get banked right now. It's going to be really rough. Yeah. And, what, and the guys what? taking over those accounts are probably not going to want to, I mean, the guys buying signature, no, they're going in to buy a crypto bank. So whomever buys that you got to believe has some mindset of, Hey, we want cryptocurrency customers. And maybe that'll be one of the big ones. And, and that'll transform one of them into being crypto friendly. That would be fucking awesome to have that come out of this. Yeah. Um, but the downside is the ones who were specifically crypto friendly are, are gone. So, well, that was something I was, yeah, I was talking to, to someone about that too. And, um, you know, I started wondering if, uh, you know, the acquirers, will maintain the crypto off ramps. And I, and I kind of think they will. Um, but then I started thinking more, damn, if this didn't look like a stealth choke point 2.0 op. Well, um, that's what everybody's saying. And yeah. Look, it, it, I evidently, mean, the, the word is that um, they're using the systemic risk. That they're doing a, what's it called? A bypass, whatever of the systemic risk to, to, to close these banks down. But and SVB was obviously on the edge, but th there are people now saying that Signature wasn't that close to the edge yet, but they decided. And, and, and so here, I want to be fair. If I'm the FDIC, if I'm Fed, whatever, right? I see the contagion. I see Signature could be in trouble. I'm going to be probably mm -hmm. saying in my head, let's fucking kill this thing before we have to deal with another elongated fucking thing. Let's get them all together and pile them in, shut them all down together at the same time. I get that logic, but there are other folks saying, yeah, well, signature wasn't there yet. And um, they seem to have just decided, let's just hatchet everything that's crypto friendly while we're at it. So I, yeah, yeah. into that one way or the other. Yeah, it's a question I don't know the answer to. It's pure speculation. But I think that, um, you know, Signature was shut down by the New York uh, financial authorities, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Right. OK, yeah, you're right. And they're usually they're usually pretty aggressive. So um, yeah. I'm not saying there couldn't be a concerted effort. I mean, they've done it in the past you know, hand in hand. So, I mean, there is that possibility, uh, too. But I know a lot of the capital coming out of Silicon Valley Bank on Thursday, Friday timeframe when all the everybody was, you know, screaming, the sky's falling, was flowing over to Signature. Um, and so, 
you know, I don't know. That would seem to me to make them more solvent. Um, so yeah, I don't know maybe, what what maybe. the deal is, but but look, you know, I mean, I think it, it you know, I mean, I don't know. Could, you could still, I mean, I haven't looked at Coinbase in the last week or so, but you could still off ramp to your bank account from Coinbase, right? I guess like you can I go mean, in and sell ETH to USD and put it in your bank yeah, account, I'm sure, right? I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and I'm and I, I mean, I can in Binance US. I'm not a. I haven't used Coinbase in a long time. I still have an account. There. Uh, Binance US, I've got no issues. And you could go straight into the bank account from Binance US, right? Oh, yeah. I can wire or yeah, SH okay. straight out of it. Yeah. Uh, Sean says yeah, the banks okay. do not have to mark this to market. They ignored the Fed. It's 100% up to them. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Niblet says mm -hmm. so many of the explanations seem pretty valid. So there were about a half dozen factors that all converged on the same place at the same time. Yep. Uh, Esprit uh, says uh, Esprit, sorry, Ashbreet, sorry, USDC would become stable. Well, right now, I think it's doing okay. I have a feeling there might be another dump from everybody that was arbitraging uh, here over the weekend if it was sizable enough. I don't know how many people did, um, but uh, I think it'll come back to peg again. Look, everything around everything around USDC right now is looks pretty fucking good i gotta say they were yeah. they had their shit together they had it covered it was just people panicking and being unreasonable as far as i'm concerned um shizzy said i think fidelity and bny are the only crypto friendly banks left um yeah and i don't even know how friendly they are um i do know that um somebody announced massive deposits in bny melon oh it was circle circle amounts that they were putting a big chunk of cash into bny melon so maybe everybody's kind of corralling around bny melon being the the big crypto bank we'll see what happens i don't know sean says no crisis will be unused fiat can't get into crypto at scale anymore well that may be the case we're going to find out here in the, in the shorter term i guess i don't know um, and Sean's hero, uh, one of his favorite people in all of crypto, uh, pulled a move last night. Um, CZ, CZ announced that uh, Binance would be selling $1 billion worth of BUSD for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and BNB. To me, a pretty smart fucking move. Let's get a little pump on while we're, you know, let's see what we can do to pump shit up a little bit and uh makes them look good and all that good shit so i i don't know i thought it was very interesting that man doesn't miss a beat on on messaging comms and timing i gotta tell you so yeah he's got a great team and but also they've been haven't they been over the last couple of weeks or months like winding down busd i mean lowering the market cap uh, yeah, converting so might as well unload it. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean it, i don't know where they're at now what their market cap is now the 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 billion was in their uh, emergency reserve fund, all as BUSD, mm -hmm. obviously, as stables. And they just decided that with everything going on, they said, with everything going on with stables, um, they felt it was better to be in native crypto sets. So, yeah. Sean said, no, I think that's a great move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love the CZ play. What a scammer. They play Mozart in, how do you say that? Avatar? Abattoir, I think. Uh, Abattoir for a reason. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just look at everything. And I just keep thinking crypto London, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't. Um, I it's it's a shame, but um, for the Americans, but you know, it's definitely going to be somewhere else at this point. It is, dude. It's like. 
Yeah. Uh, I want to take a quick little break from this one note discussion uh, to note that uh, I got a new episode of Mission DeFi up and it's a fascinating story. Um, So Bancor, um, as we talked about last year, uh, was had um, in May launched version three of Bancor and I had interviewed them and they were very excited about it and it looked like a really powerful platform. And then in June, uh, they got uh, dumped on at significant scale um, by fe- people affected by Terra and all of that shit. And that forced them to turn off kind of their primary um, claim to, well, their claim to fame is they were the very first AMM. Um, it was the first one. It was an OG play in DeFi. But, but the other claim to fame was they had a, they had a capability that they called um, impermanent loss protection. And um, impermanent loss protection, there were a lot of people deposited. And because of the massive dumping, the protocol was printing fucking shit tons of their coin. Valuation kept dropping. It became a total fucking mess. And so they voted uh, in the Dow to freeze the impermanent loss protection, which um, obviously left a lot of people locked up or they would have to take out their money at dramatic losses. Um, but they have a, ch- you know, as far as I can tell, they didn't have a choice. I mean, there was nothing else they could do it, short of just saying, fuck it, this, this party's over, shut the whole thing down. Right. And they didn't want to do that. Um, well, you can imagine there were a lot of very pissed off and upset people, sadly, uh, for, for the team, one of the biggest groups of people in, uh, Bancor for liquidity were the chain link marines and so they have been enduring a relentless series of death threats um and anger and uh, attacks for months and months from those folks but to give um mark richardson and the team at uh bancor credit they just said look these are the things we have to do to survive to make this protocol survive we're sorry you're in a loss. You can leave your funds in. We're working on a solution or you can take your funds out and you take a loss and, and that's your choice. Obviously, some people can't do that. So they took their money out, took a big loss. They are now launching a protocol called Carbon, which I think has some really cool promising capabilities targeting frequent traders, people who trade on in CFI, um, people who have wanted to trade uh, in DeFi and haven't been able to. It looks really powerful to me. Um, they're starting with a very simple range-bound trading uh, platform. But all in all, I'm really impressed with this. This interview is really good because Mark doesn't hold back on anything. The causes, the problems, the failures internally um, that caused this all to happen, why he was fighting against liquidity mining for the protocol uh, from the beginning and how that actually ended up being the cause of all of this. Um, talks about what carbon is, how it functions, what it'll do, what its benefits will be, and how they think the revenue from that can make those that stayed in the protocol whole. So all in all, great interview. This is my second interview with him. He's he's just, uh, he just doesn't hold back. He just says whatever the fuck's on his mind. So uh, it was, uh, it, it, I think it'll, people are going to find it really interesting. Really interesting. So Shizzy said, BUSD is at 8.4 billion market cap, 9 billion down, I believe from the Paxos scare. Uh, Sean said, what is that 8.4 back by Shizzy other than CZ comments like Safu? Well, I, I, I actually think that the 8.4 billion 
is in a Paxos bank of $8.4 billion, but I think that's how it works at Paxos. Hope so. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think they did show like one side of the balance sheet ledger as a half-baked proof of reserves play, but um, but yeah, that's a good point. No, I mean, but, but, but Paxos is the one issuing the BUSD and they have the deposits in order to back it. Otherwise, Paxos is in some deep shit. Like, right? I mean, yeah. I would think so. I mean, because they're the ones that mint it. So, um, but I, I mean, would they, would the collateral be held there or would it be held somewhere else? I don't yeah, know. I think it's Paxos issues it and Paxos deposits it. And I think that's how it works. It's, a, it's, it's just like Circle, except that Paxos's model is we'll deploy a stable coin for you right? We handle everything. It takes you out of the worry about, you know, bad use of funds and everything else. And it's, you know, we prove it with audits and blah, blah, blah. I have no idea. Tell them, hey, you know what? We should tell, we should tell them we have some IOUs written on the back of cocktail napkins from uh, Silicon Valley Bank, and we want to issue a DeFi lunch stable coin. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so real quick, a couple of more things on this story. I'm going to then rant a little bit about fucking VCs and then, uh, right. uh one, we'll give on. me two minutes. Uh, you, keep going. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of one thing and I'll be right back guys. So you go. Gotcha. Uh, so Coinbase, uh, well, this isn't on this story, but what the fuck Coinbase reiterates that staking services will continue despite the sec crackdown. Uh, I'm just started listening to a bankless interview with Brian Armstrong, um, they are fully convinced that uh, their staking service is not a security and it's on chain and having, you know, kind of within the realms of, of uh, the system. So um, hopefully uh, they continue to maintain that fight because I think they should. Uh, oh, this was brutal. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but on Kyber, oh, uh, on the uh, <laughs> Sean wants us to fight everybody wants us to fight Joe. When you get back, you know, say something offensive. Um, uh, this was really brutal. Uh, some dude was on Kyber. He was trying to get out of USDC into USDT as fast as he could. He lost his shit. He freaked out and um, he um, didn't pay attention to the warnings that Kyber was giving him that uh, what he was going to get in return for his $2 million. And he ended up, uh, he ended up getting five cents for $2 million because he allowed the system to route him through a Uniswap two liquidity pool that had no liquidity. Uh, and then uh, a Mev bot came in and swooped up and took the, took the trade, took the trade for five cents. And actually they then had to pay, I think they had to pay $39,000 in fees, but you know, $39,000 for a $2 million profit is not a bad day's botting. So, um, no, really, really bad for this person. At the same time, dude, there's a reason the papa came up a second fucking time to tell you to check the trade, right? It's like, yeah, they could probably have bought them, been a lot better in UI. They could have been a lot better about how they warn people. But holy shit, dude, you're trading $2 million. Are you really in that big a panic that the 0.1% that USDC is going to drop is enough for you not to fucking check what you're doing before you do it? I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. It's just pitiful. 
other USD, other stable coins, USDD, DAI are all getting impacted. We're getting impacted by the USDC DPEG. Everybody kind of frantically panicked after the panic and started trying to do Dow votes and everything fucking else to reduce dependency on USDC. It can't happen fast enough. You guys have heard me rant and rave about the backdoors and blacklists that USDC has. We have no business with the level of dependency we have on that protocol. I have no problem whatsoever with that brand being harmed enough to make some of these protocols re-examine it. And look, I'm going to call out protocols that I have. I am a fan of. Frax, Bean, Die. Any of you that have that level of dependency on USDC, you need to get your shit together. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. It's time to fucking get your shit together and figure it out because you are, uh, you are now a systemic risk to all of DeFi. So I love all of the things that you guys are doing, but get your shit together. So, uh, crypto whales suffer huge losses due to USDC DPEG. U.S. Fed announces $25 billion in funding to backstop banks. We already knew that. Coinbase, Celsius, and Paxos disclose funds in Signature Bank. They'll get them all back. So, again, yeah. no serious reason to worry. Um, that's it. All right. So, over the weekend, in the midst of all the uh, Doom tweets, Doom whatever it's called, tweeting shit, um, I'm not going to name names here, Joe, because we don't make any money on this show. And last thing I know. <laughs> but we all know the but big you know, name. <laughs> everybody knows who they are. And they are people that I'm not generally a fan of uh, anyway. Um, and some of them may have podcasts. Um, but several venture capitalists, traditional venture capitalists, tech venture capitalists, not crypto venture capitalists. There wasn't a, I couldn't find a single fucking crypto venture capitalist trying to foment a bank run this week. Um, but several venture capitalists with lots of portfolio funds locked up in fucking SVB spent the entire fucking weekend trying with, and these are guys with millions of followers, right? Across, you know, combined across them, right? Mm -hmm. Spent the entire weekend trying to ratchet up the fucking panic and, and I am convinced, I am convinced that they were ratcheting up, trying to ratchet up a panic so they could make the FDIC feel the threat of a fucking bank run on other banks and regional banks, smaller banks, by telling everyone it was going to happen, by freaking everybody out and scaring them all weekend so that they hoped it would spread to regular people and the FDIC would say, fuck it, I have to say I'm going to back all this shit, right? Now, here's my problems with that. Um, number one, it's irresponsible, fucking un-American, fucking just you're a shit human being. That's just number one. Number two, it was clear. If you looked at everything the FDIC has done during 2008 and since, it was clear that all depositors were going to be made probably in the range of 90% to 100% whole. They do it over and over again. They have a process for doing this. They sell off the assets. They give you 50% of your fucking assets in the first week. The, the, all the startups were going to be able to pay their bills and pay their people. The money was going to come to them, and it was going to take another three to six months to get the rest of the money out, right? So there was zero reason for them to pull this fucking strategy. And you will not convince me that they were doing anything but trying to ratchet up and trying to get people panicked enough that they could have the threat of a bank run to force the hand of the government. And it just pisses me the fuck off. And the last thing that it does is this. 
there are a lot of really genuinely good people in the VC industry. I know them personally. One of my favorite human beings in the world is Brad Felt. He's an honorable, honest, hardworking, I'm doing this to make money and I'm doing this for the good of society, venture capitalist. And he always has kind of the motives and the aims and the ethos to do the right thing. Those kinds of venture capitalists would have never pulled the ship, but these bozos have now harmed kind of the overall brand of VC worse than it already was. They've made these people look like, you know, all shitty, greedy, asshole kind of people. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just done with this fucking bullshit. I'm really just done with people acting like this. And, and I think that was their intent. I, I, I can't prove any of it, but I definitely think there was some intent to cause this fear to force the government to do what the government did. And it's, to me, it's shitty and unethical. And that's what I have to say about that. Well, you know, when the hedgies are not doing it, but it's the VCs doing it, you know, and the hedgies are shocked by the behavior um, that, you know, these guys just get way out of the tips of their skis. And I don't know what the motivation was, but it sure did look coordinated Yeah, to your totally point. Cool. And, and, the, yeah. and that people would be ranting about, you know, these guys who know better that nobody's going to get more than 250,000. Um, to me, that's almost criminal um, because they definitely know that everybody gets the full amount eventually. Um, yeah. I don't know how well, much of it was domestic versus international. They already, they already knew what they already knew when they started it, they were going to get 50% of the money this week. 50% of deposits were going to come back, not just 250 grand, 50% of deposits were going yeah. to this week. So it was like, the just the fucking worst intention shit. Niblet said when they were crying about making payroll, I knew they were shitting all of us to protect their own bags. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because all their portfolio companies are there. Um, you know, with the with the you know the early stage series A, series B kind of tech companies, a lot of them bank at Silicon Valley Bank. I remember when they came to DC, I want to say what I got exposed to them was the 90s and maybe mid-90s, middle to late nineties. Um, and they were super friendly for tech startups to get in there. Um, easier to get lines of credit, do things like that. They would do, they did a little factoring on invoices back then. Um, but they really just took, I think they set up, it was in Tyson's, I believe, and, and serviced that market really well. So, you know, they are the early stage one and they, they do a lot of stuff around them, around the, the founders, you know, yeah. like basically you can borrow against your options and do things like that. <sighs> so, I don't know if it was that these VCs were so scared for their portfolio companies that they just went off the rails or if it was a coordinated attack and they were all short. Um, I'm not sure, but to see them panic like that was just, you know, it was, it was just pivotal. not. It was, yeah, it was weak. Your Very if weak. You're still watching their shows and listening to them and giving them fucking ego juice. You're an idiot. I'm sorry, people. And Shizzy, I'm not going to post your comment because I don't want to get sued. Um, anyway, um, you, just, just, I'm telling you, these are not good people. And what I really love is now last night and this morning, uh, one of them who's not part of that group, but was doing it is like trying to spin it that he was doing this for love of country, like literally tweeting, I was doing this for love of country. And I'm like, do you seriously fucking believe you we any of us are going to believe this stupidity i mean seriously do you really think any of us are going to buy this stupid ass shit 
probably just the people that well, worship them. Who knows? And two things, though. Your limited partner investors should be now looking at that comment and saying, what the fuck, man? You're supposed to be looking out for me. You know, right. I mean, they, they, there's so many conflicting messages here that now they're covering their ass. Yeah, of course you look out for country. But, you know, I mean, you got to look out for your portfolio companies, too. Um, and to me, when everybody's in panic mode, that's when you're supposed to be steady. You know, right. steady the steady the ship, so to speak, and and you know get people off the edge rather than pushing them over because you can't control your emotions. Yeah, or and that something was the worst, worst thing they could have done for the country, right? Like, yeah. what what kind of fucking game are you playing in your head where you're going to push this button, whether it was coordinated or not? We have zero proof that it was, but it was all very similar. You're going to push these buttons so people line up on Monday morning in front of every regional bank in fucking America because you you are so greedy and selfish that you can't even just kind of stop and take in the fact that you're going to get your fucking money back. That to me is like completely against your country. I, I'm 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 so disgusted with these people, man. I'm so done. I'm yeah, done. Well, they're just they're all spoiled. I mean, they basically went through what 14 years of free money. For 12, yeah. 13 years of free money, you know, 0% yeah. borrow rate. I mean, if you can't make money in that environment as a VC, you should be doing something else. Um, yeah. And now well, they actually got to work a little. Yeah. 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 Now you got to work and you got to pick winners and you got to cultivate winners. You can't just throw, you know, a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. So, you know, now we're going to really see who's real and who's not at this point. I suspect that a lot of these people that were, you know, losing their shit, um, you know, whether malevolent motivation or not, or just panicking because they're seeing it all go away. Um, you know, they're probably not as good as they think they are. And no, so exactly. I would be real careful any tech startups who you take money from at this point, because those yeah, aren't the guys you want to take it from. Point. That's a very good point, Joe. Like if that's the kind of people they are, do you really want to be in business with them? Right. It's like, mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, what, what are you, there's just no reason there there's, I mean, there's I so many admirable, good <laughs> venture capitalists in the world. There, there are a ton of them. They're good people that actually care. Yeah. They want to get rich. Yeah. They want to make a lot of money, but they also invest with an ethos and they don't, they're not out to fuck everybody over just to make their money. And that, that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, you can't, like, I remember what was there? What was that movie from 2008? Um, I think it was Margin Call was the name of it. The one with, was it Kevin Spacey was in that one and a couple others. But, you know, when they're the ones that are going to basically dump the mortgage-backed securities first, when their quant guy figures out, hey, there's something crazy. I mean, we knew that already because we were in Miami and, you know, strippers had seven condos, basically. And, <laughs> you know, you and you're kind of like, oh, okay. And, um, but, you know... Uh, he's telling everybody when they have to go out and dump this on all their buddies at the other banks, it's that, you know, you're never going to get a job in the space again because you're basically betraying everybody. But, you know, if you get through today, you know, there's a bonus pool of, I don't know, a ton of money that everybody gets to divvy up. And so they went out and, you know, they dumped 70 cents on the dollar, 75, whatever on all their pals and their pals are like, what's going on over there? And it's like, Oh, just reallocating the portfolio. And, you know, so to me, you know, once you do something like this, um, like these guys did, um, they're going to be on the outside looking in for a bit um, until, you know, nobody's going to trust them. 
I don't think so. Cause a lot of this space is, you know, word, you know, it's like, yeah, you're going to do this. Then you'll get this the next day or a couple hours later. Um, and you have to trust people for it. And, yep. you know, once people don't trust that you're going to fulfill it, um, you know, you're not going to be in those, those groups anymore. So this is probably something that's going to take down a lot of these guys and gals. Um, Cause was, you know, like was, you're, you, hmm? go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like you said earlier, uh, the crypto VCs and hedge fund guys I've been messaging, messaging with a little bit today. You know, they didn't, I never even saw them over the weekend. They weren't panicking. You know, they were just doing their thing, you know, buying some opportunistic stuff, but they were not out, you know, this, the world, the sky is falling Pollyannish kind of stuff. You know, they were just steady. Which is surprising, you know, as I'd say, like us kids in crypto um, were the steady, the steady, yeah. steady lads, basically, where the others were in full on panic mode. So, yeah, yeah I've watched those portfolios. Yeah. If these guys have, um, you know, I don't know what sectors these guys were all in, if they got a lot of funds or what. But, you know, if you got money in those, you might want to think that through again um, and get with some people that you actually respect. Yeah. Not naming um, names. Do you watch? Oh, uh, Nibble says strippers work hard. They deserve seven condos. Rent seeking attention. Hogs less so. I agree, dude. Absolutely agree. They do work hard. They make good money too. They I, do. I strip, yeah. I haven't been to a strip club in years. It's been a long time. Um, um, when have I last you, time? I don't know. Did you watch the last? Yeah, I can't remember. Of, uh, last of Us last night. Is it? It just come out yesterday. Yeah, last night. Guess not. No, I didn't. I, I was. I watched all of them up to like maybe Friday or Saturday. I was current. Um, it was still in that little town, and yeah, you know the good. the. This, this is the final one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So this last don't spoil the season. It. There'll be a, there'll be another season because there was a second version of the game, um, but um, it, it's not the kind of cliff hanger you would expect. Um, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to spoil it, but it was really well done. Uh, really well done. And mm. on another note, on another uh, cultural note, um, I am uh, so uh, the the guys who uh, did everything everywhere all at once and cleaned up at the Oscars last night, the Daniels, I think they just call themselves Daniels. These guys are fucking geniuses. I, I got to tell you, man, they are they are brilliant. I watched on the plane a movie called Swiss Army Man by these two guys. And if you like kind of eccentric, crazy, dark comedy, wacko shit, that movie is unbelievable. Absolutely. I watched it with my son again on Saturday night. And I don't watch movies more than once usually. But um, it, these guys are fucking brilliant. Brilliant. So, uh, highly recommend anything by these guys. I think these guys are going to be the next, uh, the next big names in, in film for quite a while. Cause they're, they're just, you know, now they're touched with gold. So it says any, any season two tears of VCs. <laughs> any relation to Jeff Daniels? These Daniels no, no, first names. It's just two guys that have the first name, Daniel. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Daniel Kwan, hmm. Daniel, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, really, re these guys are fucking brilliant. As far as I'm concerned, um, the the movie Swiss Army Man uh, is uh, is um, it's Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, um, two guys that used to be music video producers and directors. Oh wow! And they partnered up and uh, did a couple of little small things, 
and then they did Swiss Army Man in 2016, and now they did Everything Everywhere all at once, and uh, and it's a cool story because the actors are are all comeback actors except for like Jamie Lee Curtis, but the rest of the actors and everything everywhere all at once were like forgotten people who never had a break. The guy who won supporting actor last night gave this really um, amazing speech about the fact that um, nobody should ever give up on their dreams, and he had gone from being uh, a child actor. Um, and having some success early on and then to actually ended up being like a stunt guy and an assistant, a produ- production assistant and everything else couldn't get work, couldn't get work. And then one of the Daniels remembered him from his childhood acting days and wanted him for this role and brought him back. And then, you know, here we are, uh, him winning a Oscar. So it's pretty cool. I, I love those stories. When I was in um, high school, um, I remember that, uh, somebody the a motivation person was there of some kind. I guess we call him a coach these days. And when they were talking about, you know, not giving up on your dreams and things. And their example then was about, you know, Lucille Ball, evidently, who, oh. you know, had got nothing done until she was like 40. And, you know, yeah. and then the contemporary ones are like, you know, um, uh, and the Sopranos, the, the mom, the wife, I can't remember her name. She was like a weight person in New York, just grinding it out with nothing until she got that role. And in nice. these child actors, like you talk about, they always end up, you know, uh, hit, hitting the hitting the uh, no luck road, basically, because they're typecast as kids. And to come back from that later in life, I mean, it's just perseverance. And then one more thing on that. I remember they were either talking to Clooney or Pitt once and. I think it was Brad Pitt because they all, I think he's from Kansas. And they were like, why did, you know, he and a bunch of his buddies from theater class in high school all drove out to LA to become movie stars. And, you know, he's the only one who made it. And they asked him, they're like, why did, why did you make it? And nobody else did. And his answer was because they all went home. (laughs) And so (laughs) that's awesome. The the point is, you know, you got to be all in if you want to do something like that and, and and you got to do it forever. till you're dead, just like entrepreneurship. That's the Daniels. Uh, they're crazy and eccentric, but these guys produce great shit. <laughs> they look cool. Really, I mean, brilliant writing, direction, just everything about their movies. The, the two movies I've seen so far are, are two of my, they're they're easily in my top 10, these two movies. Um, fantastic, folks. Niblet says, Sean M. Carroll of the Mindscape podcast interviewed them a while back. Super interesting hearing a physicist's take on the movie. Oh, shit, I want to check it out. That's cool. Uh, okay. Hey, so curiosity, can I ask a question? What were the um, all-in guys saying over the weekend? Were they, like, leading the... uh, You're going to get me fucking sued, Joe. For just talking about them? (laughs) Why? I mean, were were they, like, leading the charge, basically? (laughs) It's not going to get sued for saying what they did, dude. Come on. Unless you know you're talking about how, let me put it this way. I've already been talking about those folks the entire show. Okay. So it is all in that you're I was referencing some other guys. Okay, cool. Got it. Um, Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to sue you over that dude, but yeah, I don't, I don't really. (laughs) Oh, wait, I remember who those guys are now. I was talking about the ones that were just melted down on Twitter. You know that yeah, that's uh, who they were. the big. That's oh, there were other ones too. Then okay, got it. Well, well I'd love to see their show today. What are they all sitting there? They'll tell. They'll tell everybody they were doing it for the good of the country. 
Oh, they're the ones saying that. Okay. Yeah. See, I wasn't into well, it no, this weekend. Actually, like actually, the guy that had the nerve to actually tweet that is not part of that group. Um, he's actually very well known. Uh, very well known in the uh, activist investor cycle circle. First name Bill. I'm not saying a fucking word. <laughs> I'll say it. Bill Ackman. Come on. You don't get sued for telling the truth, bro. Yeah, he was the one I was most disappointed in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. This guy, uh, K. Y. Kwan, is the guy I was talking about, the child actor. Uh, and and he that's him. At, during his speech, he pointed and looked straight at the camera and said, this is proof. Don't ever give up on your dreams. It was very nice. Nice. Was really what was his role as a child actor? What character was he? I, I don't remember what it was. Hold on. Uh, he, by the way, he was also a, a a refugee that got here on a boat. Vietnamese boat person. Yep. Good for him. I mean, not for that, but good for persevering. I don't know. Was he the new Asian kid that oh, moved in down the street? It's uh, it's the cute little uh, uh, it's the cute little um. Oh, what was the little movie? Uh, Gremlins. Gremlins. Something Grem. One of the like Gremlin movies. That's that was him. He was a child oh. in that. Yeah. God, I hated those movies. <laughs> All right, Joe. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, we got nothing else. Uh, hey, but everything's back. You know, I mean, what? I mean, I mean, everything's up 10%, 15, 20%. I mean, just look at your board. Um, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, Brad, Brad needs, needs a C -corp. C -corp. Brad, has, <laughs> Brad has 12 fucking corps, but none of them own this. That's the problem. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get some winners going soon, bro. Shamoff's uh Shizzy said that Shamoth on uh, All In Podcast laughed and said banks getting hit and Bitcoin's down 10%. Now Monday he looks stupid. Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. SPAC, Mr. Mr. Failed SPAC is uh is uh looking more the SPAC more guys, man. Yeah. Yeah, they never really know what the fuck they're talking about, anyhow. Yeah. The SPAC is right, I'm not boy. picking on him in particular. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening, watching, participating, comment. We love you guys. Uh, I hope everyone, uh, I'm going to try to get some fucking sleep because I was up last night. We had a DOS attack on material indicators. So that was fun. Holy uh, shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, Cloudflare makes it pretty easy to stave those, that shit off. If you're not using, by the way, if you're technical, if you have a website of any kind, if you're in crypto, especially if you're not using Cloudflare or something like it, you're an idiot because it, you know, we had uh, 150,000 hits from bots out of Hong Kong last night. It was uh, kind of crazy. So, so what do you, so my question, what would they, what's the objective of that type of attack on say material indicators? Well, they may be trying to get in and see if we're storing credit card numbers like, or mm. uh, that there may be some connection to Bitcoin wallets. Uh, they may just be trying to do it for sport and take down our shit. Maybe the competitor paid them to take us down and take down our infrastructure. Who fucking knows? I mean, it, it, it's, it could be somebody just having fun writing their first bot and let it run and then fucking couldn't control it. Who knows? No, I think I got one of those in the real world over the weekend too. I just kept getting approached by all these hot Russian girls. I couldn't figure out what was going on. 
They just love you, Joe. They love you. <laughs> anyway, highly recommend uh, having your domains pointing through Cloudflare. It was um, made it a shit ton easier than it would have in the old days trying to fight that off. So, uh, it was, yeah. Uh, With the olden days, it was just unplug everything, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. She's everybody server farms. God damn, that was crazy, dude. Remember oh, those offices? Uh, everybody dude. had like. Yeah. .com, we also, all we right. had was our servers. Yeah, there Niblets. was a server room back there. It was a nuts. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Niblets, Shizzy, Sean, Chuck, Ashpreet, thanks for joining us today, man. We're glad to have you here. Uh, Chuck, Sean, Niblets, that was everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We love and appreciate you guys being here. We really, really do appreciate it. It makes everything worth it. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. If you get a moment, um, please take uh, take two minutes rate and review us on apple Podcasts or spotify if you're watching on youtube please make sure you subscribe click the little bell and joe would like for you to smash the thumbs up so please smash that thumbs up it boosts us our ratings in the protocol uh, and uh, protocol algorithm and uh, will help boost our presence and get us more listeners um that's all i got joe it's great have a great day everybody yeah, you too, man. I'm glad we all, everybody bought the dip. Glad we had a good weekend. We're back where we were. Now let's uh, see what happens next. Yeah, absolutely. Niblet said, see, they work hard for those seven condos. I know. They work hard for that money. For that money. They all work, right, later. I'm out. They, I'm sick. We're done. Uh, all right, yeah.